Hi, I'm Olivia McCollins, and this is Purdue, the official podcast for Purdue University. Our conversations and stories feature Boilermaker students, faculty and staff, and alumni taking small steps toward their giant leaps and inspiring others to do the same. Data is everywhere. Seemingly everything that can be measured is measured. And sports data has been with us virtually since the first time an umpire yelled, batter up. While all organized spectator sports or team sport events have been postponed or canceled due to the COVID-19 pandemic, Jeremy Frank, a first-year data science major and book author, continues to share his love for baseball statistics on his Twitter account. In the first segment of our episode today, Frank talks to Tom Schott, a member of the Purdue News Service team who previously served as the Senior Associate Athletics Director for Communications. In part two of our episode, we highlight the Integrative Data Science Initiative, a program that allows Purdue students across all disciplines to pursue data science research, ethics, and education. And now, Tom Schott talks with Jeremy Frank. What led you to start at MLB Random Stats, the Twitter account? So I started in my freshman year of high school, and it was one of the first years where the Cubs were actually becoming like good again. So that kind of got me excited about baseball. Obviously, um, I've been a big baseball fan my whole life, but that really like got me like watching baseball. Like every game, I'd turn the, the Cubs on and start watching. And I was always fascinated my whole life with uh, baseball stats in particular because I've always been like really good at math. I've prided myself on at least being good in, in math class, if I, even if I wasn't good in any other class. And um, I learned to navigate through some like online databases, and um, I I started to find some interesting uh, like baseball like tidbits, not like necessarily like st- statistics, but more like interesting notes that you would see on a broadcast. So I started posting them. I created my account freshman year, and I started posting them on there. And at first, like no one was really interested in them. Like it took me a while to even gain like a hundred followers, but ever since then, it's kind of taken off. You mentioned Joey Votto. You had a tweet back in July of twenty eighteen about. Uh... Uh, the all-star first baseman uh, from the Cincinnati Reds. Just amazing to me, the infrequency with which he hit pop-ups. Seven of them in nine years as a major leaguer at that point. Uh, that tweet uh, really sent your account into overdrive from about 15,000 followers to nearly 25,000. Two-part question, what led you to research that fact about Votto, and why do you think it got so many people excited, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, Votto is another one of those like anomalies, like statistically, like he has ridiculous like plate discipline and back control. And he like he kind of just does things like his own way. Like he could be playing in like if you put Joey Votto in like the 1910s, he'd probably be like the exact same hitter he is now. He's one of those guys that like it's just like a timeless hitter. I feel like he might not be the best hitter. He is very good, but he's just like a really like I don't know. He's just like a very specific mold of a player. So I found the stat. I wasn't actually looking at like I wasn't looking to find a Joey Votto stat. I was kind of just like sorting through like batted ball leaderboards when I found it. Like the batted ball leaderboards have like a number of line drives, like fly balls, like stuff like that. And obviously the pop-ups too. So he, I was sorting, I sorted by pop-ups and this was in 2018 and it was like midway through the year. And he had so much, so many fewer pop-outs than anyone else in baseball, like just that year. So I'm like, wow, that's pretty crazy. Like he has like, I don't, I think it might've been zero. He either has zero or one that year. I'm like, wow. Like, that's ridiculous that like, he has not popped out this entire year. And, like, little did I know, like, that was just the beginning of it. So I went to Vado's page, and luckily they have those kind of numbers going back through his entire career. And I'm like, wow, like, it was, like, the exact same story with his entire career. 
it's one of the craziest like outliers I think I've come across to like looking at baseball stats. And I think the reason they got so many people excited was because even if you're not super into baseball, I think the tweet was really interesting. You could barely know what baseball like you could watch like a couple baseball games a year. As long as you like know like the very basics of it, you know how ridiculous popping out less than once a year happened. Like if you play Little League Baseball, you probably popped out like every other game. And then you have a major league baseball player facing high 90s pitching who's popped out seven times in his entire career that's why i think it was was pretty um exciting for a lot of people because like even if you don't even you're not like hardcore into baseball sets you know that that's a ridiculous like sure statistic so we finally get around to playing games hopefully sooner rather than later uh tell us what sorts of things you'll tweet about uh when we're actually seeing live baseball again yeah i think it will be there's a lot of stuff like historically that i'll be posting but it'll be it'll be like different to like what I'm posting now, I think that um, it'll be a lot more of like current event stuff. Like if someone does something like I mentioned and it's like, oh, that seems unique, then I'll probably uh, post about it then. But a lot of times um, like players will be having like a really hot stretch and you can like, it's really fun to compare them to to like legendary players. Not because like, oh, like he's playing like this. Like it, it's really interesting when you actually put the numbers down. Like he's the first player to be hitting 400 through 30 games since like tony Gwynn or something like that i think those things are kind of fun do you have a go-to list of, of reference sites or, or or where do you go to kind of buy and check stuff yeah so i have a few sites that i go to a lot baseball reference is a terrific resource that's the that's the first that i started using because they have this thing called the play index which is super helpful when you're looking for like when was the last time this happened you can do it on a season basis on a game basis you can look at like the the longest streaks of some kind. It has so much stuff on there, which is terrific. I use fan graphs a lot, which is very helpful. The retro sheet database has a lot of stuff going historically. That's what baseball reference uses. Baseball reference is kind of just like, they have a lot of stuff coded that you can go through the retro sheet database. But if there's, if you can't find what you're looking for in there, you can just import the retro sheet database yourself and try and find stuff. And then also um, baseball savant is a great website. It's a new website. It's the Statcast website for MLB, which is really cool. As he is remotely learning from home, Frank has used his free time to create a YouTube channel titled Baseball Interview Series, featuring his interviews with other baseball fans. So I have a lot of hours in the day, pretty much staying at home, doing nothing. So I've got a lot of interesting people who follow me, like in the baseball industry, that are like really like super cool people, but I don't know them too well, a lot of them. So I really want to like spend some time and like actually get to know them and like form a relationship with them and also trying to ask them questions that people want to know about them. Cause a lot of people like I interviewed Jason Benetti, who's the white Sox announcer. And like, he's such a good dude. And like, I've talked to him before. He actually came into our, our sports analytics club at Purdue when, cause he was doing the Virginia Purdue basketball game. So he came in the day before and talked to our club, but he had such a great conversation with our club for just like an hour. And so I'm like, okay, like I got to have you back on this. Like I got to post this for my followers. Cause none of my followers actually got to hear the, the like the conversation we had with him at at the club so i was like okay so like it's just like half an hour to 40 minutes like would you be down he's like oh yeah for sure like so i, I kind of just asked a lot of people that a lot of people that i don't even know that well i like interviewing people i think it's interesting to hear like their perspective because i've there are so many people that have like totally different perspectives on the exact same thing like you have announcers i have a couple of players that i, I want to do coming up that follow me on twitter um so people who work in front offices all of them are, are doing the same thing for a living that they're they're working in baseball or like they they evaluate baseball or whatever but like their perspective on it is so different just because of like how they've experienced it which i think is the most interesting part 
Years before he started at Purdue, Frank became an author at a very young age. He shared his love for baseball stats in the book Hidden Ball Trick, the baseball stats you never thought to look for from 1876 to 1919, which he co-wrote with a fellow baseball statistician, Jim Payson, while Frank was only a freshman in high school. Even if you're not a baseball stat geek, I think it would be an interesting book. I think a lot of people see like numbers in baseball and they a lot of people who are like more like old-fashioned fans like try and get away from that but I think like for my book in particular I think it appeals to pretty much any baseball fans but so all three of the books they go year by year throughout the history of baseball and the first book which um, you talked about is the first 40 something years of baseball so it starts at 1876 the first year of the National League and it goes until 1919 which is the end of the dead ball era and so I think all three I think like I said are, are must-reads for for baseball fans. I think it really gives a, an appreciation of baseball history that you might not have had. How to feel when that book finally came out, was published, uh, you're a young guy, that, that's got to be quite an accomplishment. Yeah, it was super cool. So that was actually around a year ago. It was in May of 2019. I think the coolest part was being able to like actually like hold the book because like it was something that like I actually like put together. And like the most I had written before that was like probably like an essay for some class or something, which is like I printed out four pages, like double space. Like this is what I wrote. <laughs> but then like I wrote the book and the book was available. And I'm like, wow, look, I actually like wrote a lot of what was in this like 250 page book or whatever. So like that's like like what, 50 or 60 essays combined. Like that's like by far like more than anything I've ever like worked for anything in my life, which was super cool. Frank's interest in statistics led him to consider universities that had programs in data science. And Purdue was an obvious choice. Purdue is one of the few schools that actually has a data science program. And so it was automatically like a school that was on my radar. My dad went to school at Purdue. So it was always a school that like I was looking at. And then I found out they had a data science major, which was very attractive to me when I was applying to school. And so, yeah, there are a lot of like open jobs in data science that are waiting to be filled. And even in sports, a lot of these teams are hiring like data scientists to, to be in their front office, to be in baseball operations. So even if I were, even if I were to work in base or even if, even if I weren't to work in baseball, I think data science is probably the most interesting field to me because it's just what I like to do. But then if I want to get into baseball, I think it's a great route to go in as well. Because data science is integral to our daily lives, Purdue started an integrative data science initiative. Continue listening to find out how Purdue students are exploring big data science research, ethics, and education. Big data has transformed our entire society. We are creating new data about ourselves. So every click that we click on the internet, every transaction that we create, everything that you are doing in time now is quantified in some way as data. We are also creating so much more of it than we have ever created in history. Problem statement, how can the existing Purdue transit system better suit the needs of the student population? You know, thinking about these types of goals, optimizing time travel, increased mobility coverage, right? We've been looking at, hey, there's some stops that don't seem to be used very much and there's some other areas that don't really have good coverage. We need to be able to call those out and highlight those right on maps that we've been looking at. I never knew what kind of impact uh, data could have on the world. Really, we're doing all this like a data analysis on bus routes. That impacts 40,000 students on campus. So it's really cool that we're working with that kind of data. 
Cummins is giving us real data. They're giving us real, a real project that hopefully will impact the future of Purdue. And that's what I've been kind of wanting to do is make an impact either at Purdue or at a company. But the question is then, what's the effectiveness of the stops in that bottom left where it's low coverage and it's low usage? So it's not covering a lot of area, but then it, and what it's, but it's not seeing like a high usage rate there either, meaning that, that is that stop necessary? I'm Mark Daniel Ward. I'm a professor of statistics, and I'm directing this new data mine initiative on campus. It's a way for students to learn about the data sciences while they're learning about their discipline. It's also a residential initiative where the students are all living together in Hillenbrand Hall, taking their seminars in the dormitory, in the residence hall where they live. You see students interacting, their laptops open, connected to servers, working on data analysis, working in teams, you know, communicating and talking with each other about what they're working on. So the questions we were trying to ask, is there a part of campus with more need for a transit stop than another? And are there any areas campus that we're not seeing any transit need? I would love for you to not only think about the analysis and how the analysis went from start to end, but also what questions could someone walk away understanding after they talk with you for five or ten minutes. You know, you can almost tell a story in a sense. Throughout all of this, I'm really just trying to develop these uh, data scientist skills. And really, I just want to build that intuition, you know, looking at data, uh, seeing what's wrong, what, what can I do with this. The Integrative Data Science Initiative has been developed in the past year at Purdue University so that when the students leave, they are these critical consumers and critical researchers of data within the relevant discipline that they're interested in. I have freshmen in the group, there's juniors in the group, there's data science majors, there's non-data science majors. I've got two engineers in the group that normally I wouldn't be able to work with, but because of the data mine and corporate partners, I get an opportunity to work with and kind of just work on my communication skills as well. Data underpins everything at this point and thinking critically about what that means for yourself, for your long-term outcomes is really what critical data literacy is and thinking about what data science means for yourself. Data can't just be by itself. It has to show some kind of human connection. If we just spout up some statistics, not everyone's going to understand what does that mean, but really we're just trying to tell a story about humans and how they interact pretty much in data science. Those skills are fundamental in order to succeed in society today. So we would like to see those skills for everybody at the university. And then we will also get you the level of skills that you need in order to succeed at your career and your professional goals with data science as well. Thanks for listening to This is Purdue. For more information on this episode, visit our website at purdue.edu slash podcast. There you can route to your favorite podcast app, subscribe, and leave a review. As always, boiler up.